0: TII item 358, August 10th, 2015, iOS 9 Beta 5, and September 9th iPhone event rumor.
1: Welcome to Today an iPhone.
2: Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone.
1: Hey, cool!
3: Oh yeah.
2: My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand, and that I do everything with, and has become an extension of whom
0: I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. To start your free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Nash for sending in the music here in the background. Nash wrote, Hi, Rob. I created this song in Music Studio by Zooten for iPad. This song is called Tropical Tundra, and is a single on iTunes. Regards, Nash. Well, thanks, Nash, for the music. And folks, I'll put the full song at the end of the episode. Also want to thank Larry for sending in the artwork for today's show. Larry said the following. Hi, Rob. Got this idea over the weekend to use apps to spell out the show title. For this, I used the Photo Studio app to crop and enhance the picture. Oh, and obviously the apps in the picture as well to spell out the title. Regards, Lieutenant Larry. Well, thanks, Larry, for sending in this artwork. And, folks, you can see Larry's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 358 or at Instagram.com slash Today and iOS and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at Facebook.com slash Today and iOS. If you have some artwork and or music that you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, This site is dedicated to all information related to tablets competing with and hopefully defeating the iPad, dubbed iPad Killers. These competitors will hopefully produce a higher quality and cheaper product than Apple's latest innovation. Unquote. iPadKiller.net, 13th of May, 2010. And if you go to iPadKiller.net today, yep, you guessed it, the site is dead. Guess the iPad killed the iPadKiller.net. Just saying. Sadly, no new promo codes this week. That means if you have a paid app or a paid iBook, you are a bad marketer for not sending those codes in. And one thing we also don't have this episode is my full voice. It's still not back from podcast movement. I'm working on it, and on top of that, allergies. allergy, so I apologize for my voice today. It's only going to get worse as this episode goes along. a quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60 second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or author. Also, you want to send in the promo codes. Please make sure to let me know when they expire. And if you don't feel comfortable doing the spoken review, you can always send it to me in text and I'll read it. One of the biggest rumors out there the past week plus was started by John Pazowalski of BuzzFeed. And he was previously with Recode and before that, All Things D. And yes, John is one of those that, well, as rumor has it, is one of the ones that Apple hand-feeds rumors to. So, when he gives a rumor, it tends to be more of a controlled leak than a rumor. And said rumor this time is that Wednesday, September 9th, will be the next Apple event. And I have some confirmation on that, as, see, I will be at a trade show in Cleveland that day. So, yes, that timing just makes perfect sense, because I could not be any worse timing than that for me. So, if September 9th is the date which, by the way, is the same date as last year, except this time it would be during Labor Day week and not the week after. Well, if this is the date, then we should expect to see pre-orders for the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus start on February the 11th at 12.01 a.m. Pacific Time, with delivery happening on Friday the 18th for those lucky ones that got in there right away, which, remember, you want to do those pre-orders using your uh, App Store app on your iOS device. Then based on this, iOS 9 would go Goldmaster and be available to the public on Wednesday the 16th of September. These dates make sense as Apple's 2015 fiscal year ends on September 26th. So once again, Apple would get a full week plus of iPhone sales to fit in this quarter. It is still possible, however, that Apple will say, to heck with fiscal calendars and let's do the Apple event not during the week of Labor Day, but the week after, so as not to inconvenience the reporters. Okay, that actually sounded funnier saying than when I wrote it. All right. Actually, there is a reason not to do the week of Labor Day. It is not the best week for PR Buzz. It is possible Apple could do the week before for the announcement on September 2nd with pre-orders on the 11th. Or they could do it on the 16th with pre-orders on the 18th. But given that John Paszkowski is passing along this leak, I mean rumor... It is likely Apple will do it Labor Day week this year, right when I'm at Content Marketing World in Cleveland. If that is the case, I will be relying on lots of you for sending in your thoughts on the event. More about the rumors of what will be announced later in the show in the rumor section. Okay, one thing that is not a rumor is iOS 9 Beta 5 for devs. And since I don't plan to travel this month, and traditionally the fifth beta has been very solid, I went and updated my iPhone 6 Plus to iOS 9 Beta 5. I know I say I don't talk about bugs, but one that has been reported by many iOS 9 users and has hit me hit me hard is that the podcast app is crashing every time I try to launch it. I have read that if you try turning off sync and settings for the podcast app, it'll help. And if you turn off custom colors in the podcast app settings, it will help. And if you hold the antenna with your left hand and lift your left leg off the ground and raise your right arm to a 90 degree angle above your head, you'll get better reception. I mean, it'll help. Or, well, that's how it feels reading through all the various reports on how to get the podcast app to launch. And so far, no soup for me. When I try to launch the podcast app, I see a message saying, updating library. And then a few seconds later, the podcast app crashes back to the home screen. As far as I've gotten, I've tried everything, and again, no soup for me. I will keep trying, but I may have to do a full factory restore to get it to work, which seems to be the case with others. So just a warning, if you are like me and have lots of podcasts in your library, before you update, you might be in for some issues. Per how much I have in the podcast apps, When you go to settings, general, storage and iCloud usage, manage storage, the podcast app shows the most storage of anything with 61 gigabytes of podcasts on my iPhone. Number two is the photos and camera app at 18.7 gig. Now in this section, you can actually manage your podcast by deleting some of them out. So I'm going to go ahead and try that and start deleting them out. And hopefully that will allow me to finally launch it If not, then I'm just going to have to start over. Um, Well, we'll see how it goes. But I really want to hold off doing the restore. But I have to get the podcast app running. It's, for me at least, it's part of my day job. So again, that was more of a warning for anyone updating to the iOS 9 Beta 5 for devs or iOS 9 Beta 3 public for the public side. Got a lot of podcasts. You may be in for trouble. Alrighty, so beyond the bug with the podcast app, which is kind of a big deal for me given, again, my day job's podcasting, but beyond that, iOS 9 has worked well, beta 5 that is. Battery life is good where I had over nine hours of charge and over 35 hours of standby to get me down to the 5% mark after doing the initial update. In the past, when I measured, that was a little better or a little worse depending on the use case. So what is the new with the beta 5? Well, if you are a dev or you have the iOS 9 public beta 3, which launched shortly after the uh, dev's fifth beta last week, and the biggest change for AT&T users is support for Wi-Fi calling. Of course, if you switch that on, it seems users are getting the message, Wi-Fi calling isn't yet available in your area. Or put another way, it seems iOS 9 beta 5 supports Wi-Fi calling on AT&T, but AT&T has not yet flipped the switch on their side. There are a bunch of new wallpapers available, which is one of those minor things that says, hey, they're getting very close to finalizing. In the music app, if you pull down at the top, is a hidden feature, Shuffle All, which will, yes, shuffle all of your music from all of the artists you have at uh, Music Forum on your phone. Under Settings, and then Cellular, all the way at the bottom, there is an option called Wi-Fi Assist. It is turned On by default and it will quote automatically use cellular data when Wi-Fi connectivity is poor unquote that surprisingly does not get turned off when you go to the battery saving mode I would have thought turning that off would help but evidently Apple doesn't think so under keyboards shortcuts was renamed to text replacement to better match up with what is in iOS 10 on the Mac but at this point Is that not the tail wagging the dog? I mean, there are a lot, a lot more iOS users than Mac users. Why not rename it on the Mac? Just saying. There was also an update to the Activity app, where you can now, uh, near the upper right in the monthly calendar view tab, um, if you tap on Activity, you can now switch it from all the activity to workouts. And yikes, I did not realize I was working out so little. When I look at it like that on the calendar, oh my, I need to get my butt in gear. But hey, at least once an hour, my Apple Watch pings me and reminds me to get up and go get a cookie. So at least I do have that activity going on. This beta is very likely the last one for iOS 9. Next would be the Gold Master. And FYI, last year, the episode title for the first episode of August was iOS 8, Beta 5, and September 9th event. Want to guess who started that rumor for a September 9th event last year at this time? Yep, John Pozolowski, same person as this time. Funny how some things just don't change. As mentioned at the top of the show, this episode is brought to you by Lynda, the online learning platform with over 3,300 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash T-I-I. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-I-I. Lynda is for the problem solvers, for the curious, for people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel, learn negotiation tactics, build a website, or boost your Photoshop skills. Go to lynda.com slash T-I-I and feed your curious mind. Some of the courses I think many of you will benefit from that just came out in the last couple of weeks are... Instagram for Business by Anson Alexander, which is one I added to my queue, as I really need to learn a little bit better about how to use Instagram. And that was just one of 50-plus new video tutorials that came up in the last seven days alone. And there was also a bunch of Office 365 for Mac tutorials covering Word and Excel and, yes, even PowerPoint. With a Lynda membership, you can download tutorials and watch them on the go, including access on your own iOS device, stream over 3,300 video courses on demand, and learn on your own schedule. Watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching. Courses are structured so that you can watch them from start to finish or consume them in bite-sized pieces. Your Lynda membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate, whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or just want to learn something new, I want you to visit lynda.com/tii and sign up for a free 10-day trial. That's l y n d a dot com slash tii. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this show.
4: Hi, Rob, Chris from Washington. About the user called in with the
2: voiceover using the Notes app. Whether you're in accessibility or not, using your voiceover the Notes app uses the phone numbers and then makes some links because it's not in edit mode by default. So if you were to tap anywhere else that's not a phone number, then it will put the app into edit mode and then the phone number will no longer be highlighted. It'll just be like regular numbers. Then you can start to edit. So there you go. Have a good one.
1: Hi, Rob. For the caller to call in on your last
4: episode wanting to know about the Notes app and voiceover, there is a workaround. Um, Turn VoiceOver off, tap just above the Home button, right above where the Share button would be in the Notes app. If you turn VoiceOver back on, it will be in the Edit field for you to add a new phone number. You may want to add a different phone number per line in case you ever want to call each number later. Hope this helps. Thanks.
0: And for the email peg, Hi Rob, I have a suggestion for the listener who needs help getting around their iOS device trying to dial a number in a memo. The way I get around my phone number trying to dial a phone number or schedule an appointment for a phone number or date, respectively, in a memo is by adding some regular text in the memo so the memo does not contain only the phone number and date. Then tap the screen once to launch the keyboard. Now tap on the regular text to select it. From this point on, you can select what text you wish to copy. Hope this helps your listener. Regards, Dr. John. John. Well, gentlemen, thank you all for your feedback. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. Just want to give you a heads up about using keyboard shortcuts. I have about 20 shortcuts that keep repopulating. I've tried everything, of course, to get rid of them. It is a well-known issue on the message boards. Let's face it, Apple does not do cloud very well. I would recommend your listeners use Text Expander instead. Sings perfectly. Regards, Steve
1: N. Hi Rob and all, it's Adam from Australia calling, wondering if anyone has any ideas how to join the Today in iOS Google community without having a Google account. I've spoken with Rob by email on on a number of occasions and basically we couldn't get it worked out, so I'm just putting a call out to see if any of the listeners have an idea on what to do regarding that, so if anyone could help, uh, that would be much appreciated. Thanks a lot.
0: If anyone has a Google Plus or is in Google Plus and didn't use a Gmail account, let us know how you did it. Give us a call 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. And speaking of our Google Plus community, we are now well over 2,000 members in that Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came from Shakita Marquez who posted the following question, quote, will you continue using Apple Music past the trial period? Unquote. And she put up a little uh, survey there for people. 24% chose not a chance. 31% chose you bet I will. And 46% chose haven't decided yet. That latter group probably will most, well, for the most part, will renew for a few months at least as they will forget to unsubscribe. Or at least, That is what Apple's hoping. Shakita, you asked, what will I do? Uh, Well, considering I have not signed up for the beta period yet, I can't really say. I have all the music I need already ripped from CDs or purchased on iTunes and on my iPhone. It's sitting there and I can listen to it anytime. Now, when it does come to my free time for audio enjoyment, I usually am listening to spoken word podcasts or Dave's Lounge for down-tempo trip-hop music via podcast but I am definitely not your typical consumer, so don't use me for an example. Since the last episode, there were also dozens and dozens of other new posts in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android fanboys-free zone and spammer-free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayandios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 2,000 plus of you already in the community and contributing. T-Mobile's been doing a few things the past couple of years to make it the carrier of choice for iPhone users, in the U.S. at least, like offering hotspots with their plans and not charging you extra. And then they had voice over LTE first and Wi-Fi calling, and now T-Mobile is saying that Apple Music Streaming falls under their free music streaming offering, meaning any data streaming from Pandora, Spotify, and now Apple Music plus 31 other music streaming services are free. And said streaming, well, when I say free means said streaming does not count against your data plan on T-Mobile, which if you are unlimited doesn't mean anything. But if you are not unlimited, i.e. my wife, it could mean a lot. The CEO of T-Mobile, U.S. at least, John Legray, wrote this in a post. Quote, now every single customer who gets a new iPhone 6 this summer as part of this deal can simply swap it for the next iPhone, if they upgrade before the end of the year. Yeah, that's what I said. Just swap it out and pay nothing more. Nothing up front and no extra change to your monthly payments, no deposit, no fees, nothing. You get the next iPhone guaranteed and you get to lock in that industry best promotional price of $15 a month, unquote. And what he's talking about here is their $15 a month, a plan for spread out payments for an iPhone. And, of course, that's starting at the lower-cost iPhone. Uh, They also said existing iPhone customers who have its jump-on-demand upgrade service will have a priority access to the new iPhone, putting them first in line when it gets released. By the way, if you do plan to upgrade to a new iPhone, best to sell that old one in August as the resale values tend to drop quite a bit come September. At the beginning of the episode, we talked about the next keynote special event being September 9th, but we did not talk about the additional rumors of what would be announced beyond just saying the next iPhones, which will likely be the S-level versions of the 6 and 6 Plus. In the article from John Vazwowski, he is saying there will be the obviously improved next-gen processor with A9, which will be more powerful and more efficient, so faster with better battery life, or your cake and you get to eat it too upgrade. It would have the very oft-rumored Force touch display and will have an improved camera system. Whether that means significantly improved, as in the Lynx camera module that they purchased out of Israel Company, or just slightly improved is not stated. John does say Apple is likely to show off the company's latest iPads, but the 12.9-inch iPad Pro is a wild card at this time. And at this event, uh, there will also be a the long, very long-awaited Apple TV update. Yeah, buy that for a dollar. So, in a nutshell, what John is reporting is that anything that can be updated that is iOS-related will be updated, sans the iPod Touch, and introed at this event. Mmm, I'm not going to buy that for a dollar. Seems Highly unlikely, Apple would have an event with two new iPhones, three new iPads, and a new Apple TV, plus rollout of iOS 9. Yeah, just not seeing that all happen in a two-hour or an hour-and-a-half event. Not, not. Don't believe it. Not going to happen. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. We can continue to dream of a new Apple TV, or maybe it's just a fantasy. Tom D. in Dallas, Texas. Well, there are others out there. Also reporting a new Apple TV at the September event, along with the long and oft asked for and hoped for wish for Apple TV store. Seems the report is that Apple was going to announce the Apple TV and the App Store at WWDC, but negotiations with TV networks and other TV and movie rights holders is taking longer than expected. Per the new Apple TV, the rumors are picking up where they left off prior to WWDC with a touch interface remote, a slightly thinner design, a beefed-up A8 processor, and support for Siri, and yes, the Apple App Store for Apple TV. Current rumors have the TV subscription service not yet ready to roll out and would follow once Eddie Q works out all the details. Every Apple event for the past two-plus years, probably three-plus years, I've been excitedly awaiting the announcement of a new Apple TV and App Store 4 said Apple TV. And every event, I am going, darn, well, okay, next one. It'll be the next one. So here we are again saying it'll be this next one. Let's see if that bingo card, uh, well, let's see if that box gets checked this time on the bingo card. Another recent rumor has the iPad Pro, or Maxi, or whatever it's going to be called, with a release date in November. Again, rumor is it will be 12.9-inch screen. Well, except unless it's 12.2 inches, as another rumor is suggesting that came out at the same time. Let's just say the 12-point-something-inch screen iPad bigger version. Uh, It would also have the latest and greatest and maybe then some processor. Rumors keep saying both a Lightning and USB-C port. There are other rumors out there that the iPad Mini will see its last update, and that the iPad Air will not get an update at all this year. I would still bet on an October event for iPads, with the probable announcement of an iPad Pro at that event, and with an upgrade to the iPad Mini to the latest processor and 2 gig of RAM, so as to better run iOS 9. And really, if they're going to have an A9 processor for the iPad Pro, why not just update to iPad Air 3 and add the A9 processor and do nothing else just upgrade the processor. So I think come the October event we'll see three iPads announced. Update to the iPad Air, an update to the iPad Mini and the new iPad Pro. Another rumor with regards to the iPhone 6s or 6s is, so I guess 6x and 6s plus is that Apple will offer a more rigid less bendable enclosure. You think? Wow, talk about going out on a limb, folks. Let's see. All most people talked about after the launch of the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus was how bendable it is. Even though Consumer Reports showed the 6 Plus was actually less bendable than the 6, we won't even go there, right? The general public saw what they saw in the YouTube video, and that's all they wanted to talk about. So yes, a more rigid, less bendable enclosure for both the 6S and 6S Plus seems like pretty much a no-brainer. One prediction I can make is you will see multiple videos in the first weekend showing the next-gen iPhones bending. Because, well, they're still metal, they're still going to be thin. Given enough pressure, they will bend. What that level is, be it 110 pounds, 150 pounds, or 220 pounds of pressure, we shall see but it will be the video of someone bending the iPhone 6S Plus or the 6S with their bare hands, which will be the one that goes viral again. Thin and metal, no matter how much Apple reinforces it, will still bend if you find someone strong enough. And as I said last year, this is a non-issue, but one that still distracts from talking about the real-world specs and performance and how good the device is, and that's something the Google fanboys They need a lot of distraction right now because the last thing they want us to be talking about is their devices. And the multitude, and major multitude of security issues, which, hey, we'll get to in a few minutes. So beyond the rumors from John P. at BuzzFeed about the next-gen iPhone having the faster processor with better, better life and a better camera, then there is also the part about it being more rigid and with forced touch. Here are some other rumors double the current LTE speeds, and better Wi-Fi, and of course, double the RAM to 2 gig. The latest leaks of pics from the supply chain seem to confirm the same basic body design, but just slightly thicker to support the force touch. No pics of a fully assembled unit, so no way to know if the camera will be flush, which would indicate the Lynx camera module with the DSLR quality photos, or if it'll be slight bump in just you know a slight bump in the camera specs. Essentially in my mind, I am saying this. If it is not the Lynx camera module, I'm gonna stay with my six plus. But if it is the Lynx camera module, then I'm upgrading. The camera is my most significant feature as I have kids and they are growing up so fast.
2: <laughs>
0: Break my little heart. Tomorrow they start second and fourth grade, first day of school. <sighs> Well, anyway, if it's not the Lynx camera module, it's the protruding camera, eh, no reason for me to upgrade. I just can't imagine i do the upgrade this year. I'll wait till next year. Ooh, and a last-minute rumor that came in just before we went to recording, and this is about iPhones that will be introduced in September. This latest rumor has it where there will be three, a third iPhone, joining the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus. The third wheel would be the 6C. So not 6SC, but 6C. So it would be essentially the internals of the iPhone 6, but in a 4-inch package that is with an aluminum case and comes in multiple colors. Think iPod Touch 6 Gen, but with a phone. Price points for the iPhones would be the old uh, 5S would be now free. The 6C would be $99. The 6S would be $199. And the 6S Plus would be $299. Makes sense. The only real issue with this rumor is there are no leaks yet or photos to back it up. seems awfully close to launch for someone not to have leaked either the physical units or pictures of said units. Late in the spring, the rumor of three iPhones came up and others in the rumor mill said, nope, that's not going to be the case. Guess we will see come September 9th. I think having a 4-inch version of the iPhone 6 really makes sense. I know quite a few people that want the 4-inch size over the 4.7-inch and obviously the larger one. So there's a lot of women and kids that, that like that 4-inch and a lot of men that like that 4-inch size. Or something smaller, fits in your pocket better, don't need the big real estate. So we shall see on September 9th, which, again, you have to believe that date just because of who it's coming from and last year John got it right, it really seems more like a leak than a rumor. Another week, another Android security floor. Or maybe another day, another Android security floor. Who knows? This one, this bigger one, is dealing with video. Oh, again, Trend Micro found a flaw that uses a malformed MKV video in apps or websites to crash Androids, effectively turning the device into a paperweight, which, by the way, is the only state when it is actually not a security risk. Just saying. Google was told about the issue in May and is working on a solution, according to the article. Keep working. And it looks like Apple's recent partnership with IBM is paying dividends. As Apple is reporting, they found another Android flaw where 55% of Android phones are vulnerable to being taken over, or over half a billion devices are at risk. <sighs> minor. The last one was over 900 million. IBM's app security research team called, and I kid you not, X-Force, because you know X-Men was already taken. Well, X-Force discovered that, quote, advanced hackers could exploit this arbitrary code execution vulnerability to give a malicious app with no privileges the ability to become a super app and help the hackers own the device, unquote. This new exploit exists on Android versions 4.3 to 5.1, and a patch is available but it is, quote, up to the phone service providers to decide when and if to deploy said patch, unquote. Yeah, service providers, updates, mmm. Service providers are not known to be like a duck on a Cheeto when it comes to updates. More like a seven-year-old on Brussels sprouts. The oft-mentioned Daniel Aaron Dilger at Apple Insider has a completely unbiased article titled, Father, ghastly insecure. Google's Android is the new Flash. Honestly, I'm not sure who should be more offended, Flash or Android. If you have an Android fanboys that are bugging you, if there's an Android fanboy that you know that's bugging you about iOS, send them to this article. It is quite extensive. And really, it can be summed up like this. Those that just want a phone, get an Android phone. Those that want a secure phone, get an iPhone. Okay, I admit. When I said the article was unbiased, it kind of was a little tongue-in-cheek. But there is another article that is not biased, and it's titled Goodbye, Android, written by Lorenzo Francischi Biccarelli. I've probably mutilated his name. I don't matter. Um, He is a self-proclaimed Android fanboy and security expert. Ironically, to me, that sounds a lot like saying, you're a prostitute that is an abstinence expert. Well, Lorenzo finally has realized you can't be both an Android fanboy and a security expert or journalist and is giving up Android. He talks about one fundamental reason for giving up on Android. Google has very little control over software updates. There are too many bottlenecks between when Google pushes a patch and when and if it gets to the end user. First it goes to the manufacturer and then it goes to the carrier where we all know with iOS it goes just from Apple to the end user, cutting out the middlemen. Lorenzo talks about users going um, and possibly rooting their phones and installing new versions of Android on their own. If you know they are super users, sure, fine. Or you can just choose the other option, he said, which is to switch to Apple and get an iPhone, which is what he is doing. We have said it on the show for a long time, Android is not secure. And now the rest of the world is starting to open their eyes up to this fact. I will say this. All these security issues really have shut up the Google fanboys in the iOS and iPhone, Google Plus communities, the ones that aren't moderated. And that is how you know there is finally a change in public opinion. They are ducking for cover. This next iPhone launch could really, really be huge. Expect shortages at least until early Q1 2016, if not to Q2 2016.
4: Hey, Rob, this is Gary in Florida. Regarding the gentleman who wanted to get his family on uh, Family Share, and they're all using one account right now, I would suggest that possibly he, as the tech-savvy person, Uh, get everything she needs off the phone, Uh, maybe take the photos and share them all up to Google Photos um, under her own account, and maybe even make screenshots of all her applications. And then go ahead and just, if it was me, I would just nuke the phone and uh, then put her stuff back under her own iCod account, and then just uh, add her as a member on Family Share and put her stuff back manually, not from a restore from iCloud. That's not necessarily what I did because I had individual accounts already all set up. I will tell you that family share is great. And with the uh, Apple Music, it's, it's no sweat. If everybody's got separate accounts and I would make that happen first, then it's simply a matter of inviting them to the family share and they say, sure. I think they have to say yes. But uh, you just add them to the family share and settings and Apple Music... Uh, goes right along. It's really, really easy and seamless. It's fabulous. And uh, so then we all use uh, the Find My Friends so we can see where each other are, if we're on the road, so we don't message people when they're on the road. I've got four people in my family on Family Share. Works fabulous, works great with uh, Apple Music. So uh, good luck to them on that. Uh, Me personally, I'm an IT guy. I don't mind nuking stuff. I think A lot of times that's cleaner than trying to figure out how to clone it and save things, just set it up. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Gary, thanks
0: for the feedback. Hi, Rob and TII listeners. I have been a ballroom dance student for almost two years. Nothing makes me happier than to groove to a great tune and dance with my girlfriend. Is there a way to ask Siri to play music that corresponds to a dance, such as Siri? Play us a Foxtrot or Cha-Cha. Thanks, Evan B., Great Neck, New York. Evan, that's a good question. I don't know if anyone is online and has Apple Music and has been able to do that. And let us know. Give us a call or shoot us an email. Hi, Rob. I tried to use Apple Pay at McDonald's in Northern England on August 8th, but it didn't work. They did not know why, although one worker said they saw someone use it yesterday. Thanks for all you do for the iOS community. David Badalowski, Livonia, Michigan. And then he followed back up, hi Rob, a follow, a follow up on Apple Pay, it worked perfectly at m and in York, England, regards Dave in Livonia, Michigan. And I actually emailed him and I said, hey, were you letting your credit card company know, I mean, that you're overseas? My guess was that was the issue, that it was overseas. And he said he did add his second card and he hadn't told his credit card company, so Here's the deal, folks. If you're going to travel outside the U.S. and you want Apple Pay to work, make sure you contact your credit card company ahead of time and let them know you're heading outside of the U.S. Otherwise, it may not work, and your credit card may get shut down while you're out of the country. So just something to remember. Look at that little customer service number on the back. Give them a call saying, hey, we're heading to England. And just want to let you know, and that will save you lots of headache. Hi, Rob. I like to ask you and your listeners if they can help. I'm a voiceover user, and I'd like to know if you can stream audio to a Bluetooth device while keeping the voiceover speech on my iPhone. When I am socializing with friends, I play music on a Bluetooth speaker. Everybody can hear when I am selecting a particular song or album, and it's really annoying. With my Apple TV, if I stream something from my iPhone, the speech audio stays on my phone, And I really love that and would love to know if I could do it with streaming to Bluetooth device where it doesn't play the voiceover audio on the Bluetooth device only on my iPhone. Does anybody know how I can achieve this? Regards, Dave in Limerick, Ireland. So I'm throwing it out there, folks. Give us a call 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or shoot us an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Please help Dave out.
3: I'm uh, Bob calling from Oregon. I uh, just wanted to pass along uh, two stories about iOS device uh, durability. In today's paper here in Eugene, Oregon, uh, was a little piece about a, a man flying in a private plane from Houston, Texas to Wichita Falls, Texas. Got to Wichita Falls and realized that he didn't have an iPhone. Uh, it turns out that the door uh, of the private plane he was flying on had opened slightly and his iPhone apparently had fallen out, uh, from about 9,300 feet. Uh, he traced it to a field using Find My iPhone about 50 miles from Wichita Falls, which is where he was destination. And the phone still worked. And on a personal note, that made me think of about two months ago, I was headed from Eugene, Oregon to Eastern Oregon and realized about 10 minutes into the trip that I did not have my uh, iPad 2 Air with me. It wasn't in the car where I usually keep it. I uh, used my phone, under uh, Find my iOS and found that it was on a highway here in Eugene on a uh, on-ramp and uh went back looked for it took me a little while but i actually found it in the middle of the on-ramp and it had slid off the hood of my car apparently uh, where i had left it while i was packing up the car it actually had tire tracks on it on the case uh, i figured the worst uh, no damage that i could see the screen was intact in spite of the tire tracks it still worked and it has worked for the last two months so uh, those are just two stories, but uh, apparently Apple makes some pretty good devices. Thanks for the show. Uh, looking forward to the next episode.
0: Bye. Bob, thanks for the story about the iPhone falling out of the plane and everyone else who sent in links and articles about that as well. I think it's also a really probably a better testament to the case manufacturer, whoever the case was on that iPhone and whoever the case was for your iPad. I think those are where the real testaments lie. Uh, I've seen iPhones shatter when people have dropped it two feet onto a, a tile floor and now you've got to fall 9,300 feet. It has a lot to do with the case. So make sure you have a good case on your phone and that will save you a lot of heartache. Time is quickly ticking down for the snaps MagSafe connectors for iOS devices and also now the USB-C read the new MacBooks. This one is now over 2 million U.S. dollars and you have until just Friday at August 14th at 11.09 a.m. Central Time to fund this one. Again, this is the adapter that plugs into your Lightning port, and then you have an adapter on your Lightning cable, and the two meet, like the MagSafe connectors on MacBook Pros and older MacBooks. They did hit a funding goal to make the USB-C version available, but I don't see anywhere where you can actually order those. Link in the show notes, yes, this is one I funded, and I am looking forward to getting this one. Search for ZNAPS at kickstarter.com, or for more info, go back in the show notes for and look for the links for in episodes 356, 357, and now 358. Here's a new Kickstarter project that I thought was neat, and it only has a goal of $7,500, and I'm actually surprised it is not funded yet. It is called Helix, H-E-L-I-X, And it is, quote, the best Apple Watch charging device for home and travel. It's unlike anything else on the market, unquote. Well, so far, it only has $2,342 in funding. So maybe their goal, their statement's a little, well, overly optimistic. Um, And again, that's only towards a goal of $7,500 with September 2nd being the end of funding. So they have a little bit of time. So what is this unique device? Well, essentially, it is a storage slash dock for your Apple Watch cord and charger. What you do is wrap your charging cord around the charger and slip it into the case, which is the Helix, and you have a compact little device where you can plug directly into the wall and charge your Apple Watch, and this is ideal for the traveler and for freeing up clutter. Pricing for this case is $12, and they have about $50 left at that pricing. Then it goes up to $15. Search for Helix in the show notes for episode 358, or go over to kickstarter.com and search there, H-E-L-I-X. If nothing else, it makes a nice travel case for your charging cable for your Apple Watch. If you don't have or have not tried out an Apple Watch, then you likely do not know what Force Touch is like. But simply put, it's like turning your tap up to an 11. You push, and then you push a little more. For example, on the Twitter app, on the Apple Watch, if you open the app, you can tap to go to your timeline or to top trends. But that is it, or so it appears on the options, unless you force touch. And then you have the option to create a tweet on right there directly on your Apple Watch. So you can then record it, and it'll transcribe it, and then you can send it. Essentially, force touch will open up another round or realm of options without cluttering up the UI, which is kind of good when you have a small area to work with. There's a nice article from Johnny Evans over at Computer World that goes over in detail what force touch is and some other options and possibilities with it, such as force touching to get the settings option of apps or to open up an email when you see a preview and more. Point is this it will give you some extra features to choose from without making the UI look, well, cluttered. There will be many unique and interesting options, like maybe adding force touch to the TI app, that anywhere in the app, when you force touch, it takes you to the contact, the producer screen, where you can then call or email the show. Hmm, Michael, I have a new feature for you to add to the TI app roadmap. Got to remember to email him that tomorrow.
5: Hey, Rob, this is Scott calling from Washington, D.C., up on top of Capitol Hill. I'm calling in, I guess, in reference to I'm having an issue still with my email account. I know you threw it out there, and I can't seem to mark all. But besides that, I'm having a slight problem with iMovie. I was wondering if any of the fans of the show can maybe help me out with the issue I'm having with iMovie. When you make a movie that's either five minutes or anything, I guess over three minutes long, it's not able to share. You're not able to share the movie via iMessage. So, what is a way that you can share the movie with friends and family? And the movie seems to be too long for email or too long for, I guess the uh, all of the shared icons that come up with iMovie after you created the movie and you want to share it. What's an easy way to share it outside of the way that Apple allows you to share the unit? Thanks. Love the show. Bye.
0: Scott, my best suggestion to you would be just share it to YouTube and then send your family the links to the videos once they're up on YouTube. Now, if it's something where you don't want to make it public, then what you can do is sync it back to your computer Get the videos onto your computer that you want to share with family and go to wetransfer.com and send them the videos via wetransfer.com. But the easiest thing is just to upload it right from your iPhone to YouTube and then send them the links to your YouTube videos. Back to the email bag. Hi Rob, I watched the recent WWDC keynote today and then updated to iOS 8.4 I'm wondering, is there a way of listening to past interviews on Beats 1 as I want to listen to Eminem's interview? Regards, Steve and Brisbane. If anyone knows how to get an old interview that's on Beats 1, if you know where those archives are found, please shoot us an email with a link. Hey Rob, is there a way to watch Amazon Prime Instant Videos through Apple TV? I don't see an app for Amazon, which really surprises me. Regards, Laura B. The only way, Laura, that I know of that you can watch an Amazon Prime video through the Apple TV is via the Amazon Prime app on your iOS device and then using AirPlay. So if you get the Amazon Instant Video app, that's in the App Store, and sign in with your Amazon account, then you can do AirPlay and then watch it via Apple TV that way. Or if it's an iPad, you can just hold the iPad and watch it on your lap. But that's the only way I know of. There's no tile, there's no app in the Apple TV yet, that allows you to do Amazon Prime videos. So you have to go through AirPlay. Or you're going to hook up an HDMI cable to your iOS device and plug that right into your TV and skip Apple TV altogether. Hi, Rob and TII listeners. I got an Apple Watch Sport, but am experiencing something strange. I have the Do Not Disturb setting set to mirror from my iPhone. But when I put the watch on in the morning, Do Not Disturb is still active past the scheduled time and I have to manually turn it off. This becomes annoying when I don't realize it's happening and start missing important notifications. Any help, please? I really don't want to unpair the watch and reset everything, but would that even help in this case? Regards, Chelsea. It's good not to want things. But in this case, I think you're going to need to do something, and I think you're going to need to repair, unpair the watch and reset everything and, and try again. But The first thing I actually would just do is unpair the watch and then try repairing it and see what happens there. If anyone else has had this issue with Do Not Disturb and you have a solution, let us know, give us a call, or shoot us an email. Hi, Rob. I'm also a huge fan of Daniel's, but not sure what back of the next means. But I could listen all day. Best laugh I've had in weeks. Regards, Kevin S. Well, Kevin, what Daniel was saying is back of the net. It is like saying nothing but net as a basketball fan, except this is a soccer term, meaning your guy just kicked a goal and it hit the back of the net.
6: Hello, Rob. This Daniel from Wisbeach in Cambridge Shire. Think Middle Earth. The same people, but less axes, and you've got Whizbeach population. Anyway, the reason for this um, message. I'm coming to America, baby! Yes! (laughs) Yep, end of August, I'm coming over your neck of the woods. Well, not actually in in fact, that sounded quite threatening. I don't know where you live, but I'll tell you where I'm going. LA, California, uh, what's that other one further around? The one with the bridge. And then I'm gonna go across a big long road and hit somewhere called Las Vegas. And I understand that there might be a gambling problem, associate that place, but I'm going to really try my best to be careful. So why am I telling you this? Well, not only do I want you to come along, because let's face it, I'm party down, I also have a problem. I'm leaving the UK and the lovely fluffy surrounds of my network provider, which is EE, and I'm concerned. I don't want to come back to England, especially after Vegas, and find that I've then got to give EE 1,500 sheets. For the privilege of using my phone, so I rung up the EE, and this is the advice they gave me. Now, I don't know what your, I don't know what the people working in America are like for advice. We get a load of the English. I said, "What can I do?" And the representative, she said on the phone, "Put your phone on airplane mode." And I'm like, "Really?" But I can still use the Wi-Fi. Absolutely, she said. So, a hey, Rob and your beautiful listeners, including the one that like my voice. Is that right? Have I got to put my phone on airplane mode to be able to use Wi-Fi? Well surely doesn't it just knock everything out? Anyway, please answer that one. Secondly, and this is to you Rob, or your listeners, how can I get around this problem? What can I do? Do I have to buy one of your pay-as-you-go SIM cards from Vodafone or Verizon or whatever the, whatever the hacky-dory you call it out there and just put that in? And if I do do that, will it upset my phone? Oh, the dilemma's wrong. You must understand as I drive around in my lorry every day, these things, they play on my mind. Anyway, beautiful talking to you as always. I feel like your previous podcast highlighted something. Maybe we do need to make this a regular thing. This could be like the English report from England and maybe two weeks in America coming up in the end of August. Anyway, I'll leave it with you, mate. And as always... Have
0: a nice day. Daniel, thank you for your voicemail messages, as always. For your questions, when she says put it into airplane mode and then you can use Wi-Fi, you have to then go to settings and then turn Wi-Fi on. So you go to settings, you turn it on airplane mode, then you go to Wi-Fi and you turn Wi-Fi on. So it remains in airplane mode, which means it kills off all the radios for your GSM and all that stuff, LTE. But you turn Wi-Fi on, so now you can use it as a Wi-Fi-only device. If you want to get phone calls and you want to have data and all that other stuff, then yes, you're going to need to make sure your phone is unlocked, which most uh, phones outside the U.S. are. Make sure your phone's unlocked and that you can switch SIMs when you get here. Then you're going to need to get a mobile SIM, and you're going to need to get it with one of the carriers that supports GSM here in the U.S., but it might be possible for you not to even use a carrier in the U.S. You might just want to stay on Wi-Fi if that's okay by you because EE supports Wi-Fi calling. So if you have on 8.3 or later, iOS 8.3 or later on your iPhone, you should be able to do Wi-Fi calling. So when you come here to the U.S., you should still be able to call and receive and make calls when you're on Wi-Fi again in airplane mode. And one other bit of advice, too, before you come to the U.S., turn off your voicemail for your phone. Definitely want to turn off your voicemail for your phone for EE customers. I've read a few different things that said you can get hit with some nice charges when you're outside the EU with an EE
1: phone. Rob, very nice to be able to speak to you again. Basically, I'm just phoning uh, up to uh, leave a, a message uh, for my old mucker, Dan. Danny Boyd is uh, the new TII celebrity from Cambridge. I'm uh, from Buntingford in the UK, Um, and uh, I'm only just down the road. Danny boy, come on, let's meet up. Come down, come down, come down and see me. Let's uh, let's nip down the old rubber and uh, throw some pigs down uh, Gregory's, Danny. We can talk about everything iOS related. But I'm actually phoning, actually, in regards to something that you left earlier about uh, you have problems with Siri. I had the same problem as myself. I had the female Siri, actually, who didn't understand the words that I was talking about. Actually, reminded me of an old ex-girlfriend of mine, actually, but I won't, uh, won't uh, say any more about that. Um, the reason, or the way I got around that, actually, was um, I, instead of uh, using the female version of Siri, I moved to the male version of Siri. who kind of understood me uh, quite a bit better. I'm finding that the Siri on the Apple Watch is... Uh, kind of quite a, a, a big upgrade so maybe on the on the 6s they may sort of improve on it maybe possibly but uh, the other thing I was actually phoning in for was I have actually got a problem an iOS related problem Um I have got quite a few um, iTunes purchase songs which which play all the way through on my computer play all the way through on my phone but when I try and play them on my iPod Classic, they play halfway through and then stop. It's not every iTunes song that I've downloaded, only a few, but really annoying. And I can't look out why it plays all the way through on some, but on my iPod Classic, no joy. So if anyone could help me out with that, that'd be great. Danny Boyer, you know, new ti celeb, bear in mind what I've said. With my my door is always welcome, you, my son. Um, and uh, with regards to you, Rob, fantastic show. Um, I listen to a lot of IRS shows, but yours is the best. Um, yours was the one I listened to first, and remains remains the pod which I go to, or the podcast I go to first and foremost for anything IRS related. So keep up the good work, my man, and uh, I shall look forward to uh, hearing you very soon. Till then, uh, I, I'm Danny Boy. Come and see me. Cheers, uh, Rob, and uh, thanks again for everything
4: you do. Bye-bye now. Hey, Rob, this is Josh from San Diego. Just want to let you know, and I'm sure you already know, but you can now jailbreak your phone using 8.4 and using a Mac. It works great. I'm on it now. Love it. Love the show. Thank you very much.
0: Josh, thanks for the feedback. Hadn't mentioned it on the show yet, but yes, you can now jailbreak iOS 8.4 with a Mac which I can't do because I've upgraded to iOS 9 Beta 5. But if you have 8.4 or 8.3, but if you have 8.4 on your iOS device and you have a Mac and you're waiting to jailbreak, it is now possible. I will have a link in the show notes to the tutorial over at Redmond Pi that will help you go through this and do this. Good luck, folks. And remember, if you do want to jailbreak, you need to stop at 8.4. If you go to iOS 9, you're not going to be able to jailbreak. So stop at 8.4. No idea when, if, there will be an iOS 9 jailbreak.
4: Hey, Rob. Somehow the TII app has gone into a high-speed playback in the TII app, and I can't figure out how to set the speed back to uh, 1x the way that it can be set back in other apps, which is often in the um, bottom left-hand corner. Appreciate your guidance on how to get the app, control the app speed. Thanks for all you do.
0: Ah, a nice, easy question. This is simple. Open up the TI app, go to an episode, hit play. At the bottom, you're going to see in white letters or with black around it, now playing. Tap on that, and up will come a player. Lower left, you will see the speed, and it'll probably be 1x. Well, it's supposed to be 1x. It's probably 1.5 or 2x for you. Just go ahead and tap that to 1x, and you'll be back to normal speed. There are some other controllers there as well. There's even a sleep timer and repeat on or off. So that's some hidden tools there in the TI app. Again, when you hit play, you'll see at the bottom it says Now Playing. Tap on that, and it will bring up a little control panel and give you some extra features you may, well, in this case, did not know about. To the email bag. Hi, Rob. I just started listening to your podcast. My question is, will my iPod Touch 5th Gen be able to download iOS 9 when it comes out this fall? Is the TI phone number 206-666-6364, would I be able to call or text that number from my iPod? Regards, Alexi from Tacoma, Washington. Hi, Alexi. To figure out if your current iOS device will support iOS 9, you need only know if you can currently get iOS 8 on your device. All devices that can run iOS 8 can run iOS 9. So in your case, yes, your fifth gen iPod Touch will be able to run iOS 9. And yes, our call-in number is 206-666-6364, as I like to say, 206-MOON-DOG. For calling the show, though, from an iPod Touch, you would really just need a VoIP app or a voip to iphone out solution like Skype out. Do that. But there's even a better solution. Just go and get the new free app, Boss Jock Jr., and record your message with it, and then email it to me. Search for Boss Jock, try out the free version, Boss Jock Jr., However, if you are serious about audio, get the paid version. It will give you the best audio quality for recording and extra features. They do a great job on the gain on the mics. Our email address is todayinios at gmail.com, and recording it on your iOS device and emailing it is better audio quality than calling it in. Back to the email back. Hello, Rob. I just upgraded my Wi-Fi speed to 45 megabytes. Uh, So when doing a speed test with my data, and Wi-Fi connected, the download speed was around 21 meg. Then I put it into airplane mode with Wi-Fi on, and the download speed was 35 meg. Why would this happen when I have Wi-Fi connected with data? Thanks, and let's show regards Robert S. It sounds, it sounds like some issue maybe with your router, um, although that wouldn't explain why when you turn something off on there. Uh, not 100% sure, but Sounds like uh, getting those other antennas, the other bandwidths off maybe is not interfering and is giving you more bandwidth for your Wi-Fi, so it makes it easier to connect to the Wi-Fi. So maybe those other antennas, the other spectrums are somewhat interfering, um, even though there's supposed to be a little spread spectrum there. But maybe just because they're off, now you have less of that interference, and that's causing it to get you better download speeds. Yeah, that makes sense now that I think of it. Here is some tip and advice for app devs when approaching those in new media to get featured. Let me set up this scenario. There was an app dev. Let's call him Brendan because, well, that's his name. He sent me an email that starts off, quote, Hi, I know who you are, the kingmaker of apps at Today in iOS. So here I am, redacted, paying my respect as a new app and asking for a small favor. I'd love to have your opinion on redacted, unquote. And then yada, 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 with some other info on the app. I replied back, please call into the show with a 60 second or less audio review of your app, stating up front you're the dev, and then give a quick elevator pitch of your app. Keep it under 66, as I will edit anything over 60 seconds. Again, just call in that review to the show. His response was classic. Quote, thanks for getting in touch. What show? What is the number or website, etc." unquote. Folks, that is just plain bad marketing. You as a dev are looking for any way to stand out and get featured. You're fighting with millions of other apps to get featured. And you get a reply from someone that you've carpet bombed, clearly carpet bombed. And you reply back with which show and number? I did reply back to him with his initial quote and told him he was kind of disingenuous and to do a little research. As an app dev, if if your marketing plan at all involves corporate bombing, i.e. just going to hit everybody that you can in new media, when on the off chance you actually get a reply, take a minute to do some research on the reply. And to Brendan, thanks for the valuable lesson I can share with others due to your ineptitude.
2: Hey Rob, this is Jonathan calling from Evergreen, Colorado. Long time listener, but was on about a two-year hiatus because I switched over to an Android phone. Uh, I got a Galaxy Note uh, 2 and then a 3 and immediately came back into the fold when Apple came out with the 6+. plus. Anyway, I'm back. I'm happy. I feel better about myself. What else can I say? Anyway, I'm looking for an app that was available on the Android that would allow my text messages to be announced to me in my Bluetooth headset device. So in other words, I can have the phone in my pocket, text message comes in, I've got the headset on, and um, the device then reads me the text message into the um, into my headset without me having to take the phone out of my pocket to see to see what that text message was. Looking for an app that does that, and I can't find it anywhere. So I'm wondering if anybody knows of anything. If I could get some help there, I would really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Rob. So great to be back with you again, and um, hope you and everyone else out there is making it a great day. Bye,
0: Jonathan. Welcome back. And I always feel a little bad when. A long-time TII listener goes over to the Google world, I feel like I've somehow let you down. So I am so sorry that I was not able to convince you to stay with iOS and then you lost two years of your life to that horrible thing known as Android. But welcome back. Per your question here, I think the only way to get an app to do what you're looking for is via jailbreak. And if anyone knows of a jailbreak app that will do what Jonathan's looking for, Give us a call or shoot us an email, again, 206-666-6364, or shoot the email to todayinios at gmail.com. One of the changes with Siri in iOS 9 is no longer do you get the audible prompt when you ask Siri a question. Here's an example. What's the best mobile operating system?
4: Give me an I. Give me an O. Give me an S. What's that spell? Sorry, I get a little carried away sometimes.
0: What's the best mobile operating system?
4: 10 out of 10 virtual assistants prefer iOS, as do most of the non-virtual assistants.
0: What's the best mobile operating system?
4: iOS is the best mobile operating system on your planet, if not the universe.
0: Thanks again to lynda.com for their support of TII. If you go to lynda.com slash T-I-I, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-I-I, you will get a free 10-day trial to their 3,300 plus video tutorials. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring the show and for the free offer. Before we go today, I want to remind you to send your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG. Record your feedback and email to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else. An app, a product view, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature that you created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. Your show and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayin slash community. And finally, there is the free TII app. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TI is released. It's over six years old now, so happy birthday, TI app. It is fully voiceover-friendly, of course. Please go right now and download the TI app. And did I mention it is free? And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different.